we are talking with co-founder of the A Part of Me app, Louis Weinstock. Welcome everyone to our 36 in our series of podcasts brought to you by Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service, providing round-the-clock mental wellbeing support for those living or working in London. This is Sonia Etetwani, and in this podcast, we reveal the story behind the development of the A Part of Me app and why it was developed. From working with children in hospices, Louis recognised that digital technology could support many more young people who were experiencing loss and perhaps surprisingly guide them through their grief within a beautifully designed video game. Over to you, Richard and Louis. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, Louis, for giving us your time today. Thanks for having me. We were particularly excited at Good Thinking when it became possible for us to provide to young Londoners the A Part of Me app. I wonder if you could give us a description of just what exactly is the A Part of Me app. A Part of Me is a mobile game that we designed to help young people find a way through their grief. It's based on an island and as a player you arrive into the game and you're greeted by a guide who's a character that lives on the island and this guide she lets you know that she's experienced something similar to you and she wants to guide you through your grief journey. And then there's a number of therapeutic activities that are embedded within that game that are designed to help the young person on a journey from grief to acceptance and then compassion. So ideally for Londoners, they'll get this for free through the Good Thinking site, but it is freely available from both the app stores. So when a young person downloads the app, they kind of download all that they need in one go so they don't have to worry about data later. Yep, that's it. And when they start that journey, they create an avatar for themselves. Is that the way they sort of take part in that journey to the island? Um, So it's not an avatar that they create for themselves as such. Your character is walking through the island and meeting other characters on the island that you interact with. And part of the, the story of the game and the challenge of the game is that you've got to help these characters on the island who are all stuck for various reasons with different kinds of problems and they need your help to get them out of whatever situation they're in. And the problems that they're experiencing are all connected with the experience of loss and grief in some way? Yes. So sometimes it's more obvious and sometimes it's less obvious because when we were designing the app, Richard, we didn't really feel like it's helpful to always be too focused on grief and death and that can be a a bit off-putting. So what we've tried to do through the design of the characters and the narrative and the dialogue is convey some of the sort of issues but using different metaphors and different situations So to give you an example, one of the characters on the island has a connection to these fireflies that live on the island. And she usually looks after the fireflies, but she's lost them and you need to go and help her find the fireflies. And each of these fireflies that are roaming around on the island represent a different emotion. And obviously the emotions that the fireflies represent are the main emotions that you might experience and possibly you might struggle with if you were going through an experience of loss. So then you go and you search, you have to find a net to catch the fireflies and you go and search for them and you find them. And each firefly, when you catch it, it reveals a a set of helpful perspectives on that particular emotion. And it sort of coaches you through some strategies that you can use to help you if you are struggling with that particular emotion. Right, so there's in a simple sort of gaming process, 
quite a lot that would help someone understand their feelings, think about if they were struggling with any of them, and then that hopeful offer of perhaps learning some ways of of coping or, or managing with those feelings. Exactly. And we have had various points of data and evaluation to understand how the game is helping young people. And actually, um, probably the best uh, bit of data that we had was from an independent evaluation. An independent researcher found 10 young people who um, she followed them through their journey with a part of me from start to finish. They were randomly selected and One of the several conclusions about how Part of Me is working is that it's really helping young people to make sense of the feelings that they experience when they're going through a loss. So it's good to feel, you know, reasonably confident that we are helping young people with that particular part of grief. Of course, there's lots of other elements to the app, but that's obviously a really important part. Yeah, and uh, as I think you were suggesting, that will extend into other parts of their life where they'll be able to think about and recognise feelings way outside of that experience of grief. One thing that was very interesting for me, because it sort of mirrors in some ways my own journey uh, in terms of uh, training in medicine, then psychiatry, then child psychiatry, is that you also are somebody who has been working in terms of face-to-face work with young people, in terms of safeguarding, and, and even now still as a therapist. I wonder how you sort of move from that world of supporting young people in face-to-face sort of situations through to thinking what we need is a game that helps young people process loss and grief. I have for about 20 years now been supporting at-risk children and young people in different fields from uh, youth homelessness to child protection work. I ran a therapeutic school for a while for teenagers who had complex trauma and they'd been kicked out of other schools. And then um, ended up working in a hospice in Hackney where I was counselling young people and families either when uh, a parent had a terminal illness or when somebody had died. And so uh, it was during that period working at the hospice in Hackney, which is called St. Joseph's Hospice, I should mention, because they've been great supporters. I started to feel like there was a need for a different solution to young people's grief. And the reason for that was I was seeing certain young people coming into the hospice for their counselling sessions. And, you know, it was possible to help a lot of those young people. But I also felt that there were some real limitations to that model of therapy. We know from the research that uh, young people who are from uh, more disadvantaged backgrounds are, are less likely to access traditional mental health services. And it was through conversations, particularly with a couple of young people who were, for example, showing me pictures of their loved one, like picture of their dad who died and they were scrolling through their iPhone with the cracked screen and there was pictures of them like kissing a girl and doing other stuff that they probably shouldn't have been doing and it just felt it struck me that young people obviously using technology their smartphones and social media to process their grief but I started to notice that some of the ways they were doing that weren't necessarily always that helpful. And obviously, there's lots of possibilities in an sort of unrestrained context on, on the internet to find really unhealthy ways of coping. So we wanted to provide a, um, a digital solution that was a safe space that spoke in a language that young people understood. It was available 
uh, at any time they needed it because that's another constraint with traditional counseling. It's, you know, an hour a week and that just doesn't work for some people. So it was for, for those reasons, really, that we decided we wanted to try and build a digital solution to this. And I'd also had some experience previously working on and off with Headspace the uh, meditation app company and I was invited to help consult them on their mindfulness offering for kids and that sort of gave me an insight into how a really great sort of digital mental health solution can be built and can really help you know large numbers of people and then we did some co-design sessions at the start with um, bereaved young people and families and we showed them some of the stuff that was already out there, some of the apps in a similarish space. And the general feedback we got was that um, the apps that we're showing them were just boring. And they said, we would we would never use that in a, in a million years. And it was from those conversations that we decided that we would make a game. Realized uh, qu- once we were quite deep into the process that making games is quite complicated definitely more complicated than making uh, an app, I would say. There's just so many different elements to it. Uh, I'm definitely glad that we've chosen that route because I think the having this sort of um, creative space, the capacity to, to really um, uh, uh, create all of these uh, beautiful metaphors that you can really play with, and also the element of play itself, which we know, you know, playfulness creates a sense of safety. Like it says, actually, this is a space where it's okay and safe to deal with difficult stuff. That sounds like an extraordinary journey of sort of distilling all those clinical experiences of being in a room with someone and understanding, as you say, the value of everything from having a safe place to play through to a safe place to acknowledge difficult feelings and and how the the sort of design of the game, uh, rather than what often seems to happen in health, which is a sort of clumsy copy and paste of something offline into a not usually very well-designed digital container, really doesn't engage and doesn't take someone forward. I think it's also important, given your emphasis on trying to reach people who may struggle to access traditional support, and we know often the demand for that is enormous, this is also provided for free. So wherever someone is, as long as they've got some opportunity for a connection at some point and some sort of device, they could get that support no matter where they are. Yes, and um, this is probably a good moment, Richard, to to mention that uh, in the last year, we started to realise around last April that there was this real problem that was coming down the line of um, the grief that people were starting to experience, but was likely to be much more complicated as a result of the pandemic. The risk factors for developing what's known as complicated grief include things like a death that's sudden or traumatic, not being able to say goodbye to the loved one. If you're feeling isolated or if you're living with an increased level of anxiety, So unfortunately, um, very sadly, it's kind of like all these boxes of what can make grief go wrong were being ticked during this pandemic. So we really galvanized our forces as an organization over the last year and now uh, have managed to launch the app in three new languages. So it's available in English, German, Spanish and Italian. And um, pleased and proud that just with a team of volunteers, uh, we've managed to to do that in the last year. So um, I really uh, want to express my incredible uh, deep gratitude for the uh, the volunteers who, who've helped us to achieve that. 
Well, if you get to speak to them, you can extend our thanks too. But I do take the point, which is such an important one at the moment, that the experience of loss during COVID for many people is closer to those sudden deaths through accidents, suicide, or even even murder, that, that the sort of impact is, is more profoundly traumatic. And then, as you say, that risk of complicated, prolonged grief is so much greater this is something that anyone who knows of a young person who's experienced loss could communicate to them. Um, and I'd like to come back to this later, given some of the feedback we've had, and, and really, really make a difference to their lives and life chances. I would like to go back a, a little bit, though, because I think design is so important. And you've talked about co-design. And what's really tricky in terms of this being a podcast recording is we can't show the listeners the sheer beauty of the design in terms of it being yeah, an extraordinary visual sort of um, achievement in its own right. And I just wondered, was that something that emerged from your co-design work with young people? Or was it part of your thinking that this needed to be, you know, that journey to the island, it needed to be a comforting, but also visually enriching sort of experience? Yes, so it, it definitely came from those early co-design sessions where we first established that a game would be uh, the best medium to uh, deliver this. And then a group of the young people that we were working with really wanted it to be a safe space. And we went through a few different possibilities for that. But the uh, consensus was that an island would be a really nice uh, environment to feel like it's okay to explore your grief. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool, isn't it? Because an island is a bit separate, but I guess not not too far from from home. But I was also thinking, I mean, gaming as a term is so broad, isn't it, in terms of what that experience might be? But I guess for many young people, the experience of a video game is often about progressing through challenges and levels, and ultimately getting to to somewhere better. And I, I guess that sort of fit with understanding how a young person might progress through their experience of grief. Yes, that's a really uh, lovely point, Richard. Young people, I mean, I think anyone in general, but particularly young people, get from video games a sense of autonomy, they can get a sense of mastery, and they often get a sense of belonging. And I definitely feel like they get at least the first two of those qualities in our game, and hopefully some of the last, although I can talk about some of the new features that we're developing at the moment around community that might help with that. But the only thing I I would say about the sort of idea of progression through stages is grief is a little bit different in my experience. And that's one of the things that we've really thought long and hard about um, as we've designed this app is obviously game techniques can help to increase engagement and the feeling that you're progressing through stages is a really big part of that in games, Um, having a progress bar and things like that. But we really didn't want it to be too focused on that because we know that uh, grief I mean, the uh, the metaphor that I prefer to use is more like a spiral. So you can make progress, but then you might have the anniversary of your mum or your dad or your friend, and then you can feel like you're going back down the hill a bit. But actually, you're not going completely back down because you've already developed some resources and some skills and hopefully a new perspective. 
So it's this idea of sort of going in almost like a spiral path around a mountain. And every time you get to a different point, uh, even if you go down a bit, you've still got a better view, like a better perspective, because the overall trajectory is up. So there's hope at every stage, even if sometimes you're feeling not so far from the beginning. I'll share with you something that I think I've told you a little of that also might be interesting for listeners in this particular context of the Apart From Me app. Usually coming from a background of psychiatry, somewhere in my mind, I have a Daily Mail headline that is saying something not too pleasant, really, about what we're trying to achieve in the health space. And I thought on this occasion, it would be NHS supports use of video games for for bereavement. And it would be suitably mocking and completely out of step with the experience of seeing the game and of understanding that journey that you describe. Um, which is so carefully thought through. So we were committed to supporting having a part of me as part of good thinking. And when we launched our service for young people a few months ago, um, we presented this to the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, alongside a group of young people from our partners at Partnership for Young London, another terrific organisation making a difference. We'd asked the young people to give some feedback and particularly of their use of some of the apps like a part of me. And again, <laughs> nerve-shredding moment, I, I can now reveal, uh, because it, you know, it wouldn't have been right for them to rehearse and, and do something too scripted. And a couple of them spoke of their experience of loss, and one in particular, having lost their father two years ago, and how part of the app, in terms of hearing of the experiences of other young people, had proved to be so touching and comforting to her. Uh, I think all of us were so profoundly moved. And then she said she just wished she'd had this two years ago, at the time she lost her father. And I don't think I could ever have made a decision in terms of supporting a particular approach better than that feedback at that moment. And it's just very difficult, I think, unless you, you are connected with those that have experienced loss in that way and just how isolated and alone, because, of course, if you lose a parent in a way, you always lose two because the other parent is grieving too. And and so having something there, even two years later, made such a huge difference. So I know everyone there on that occasion would want to thank you heartily, Louis, for all the work you and your team have, have undertaken. And I'm saying this, again, just because it could be quite hard to understand how something that feels uh, almost alien to the sort of sense of face-to-face -face work being the, the gold standard in, in clinical services. So I just thought I'd drop that at this point. Thanks, Richard. It was it was a very powerful endorsement of, of your work in front of some quite important people, I should add. It seems a rather obvious question to then ask at this point in terms of who would get the most out of the app, but is there a sense you have of any particular group, age range, Ex particular experience of loss that you feel it might be more helpful for or is it you know if, if someone important in your life is not there anymore this can help you yes yeah, so from the data and from our evaluation it does seem like the app is particularly helpful for young people between 11 and 18 but actually some data that we looked at recently suggests that the the younger end of that spectrum and the older end seem to be getting the most out of it not sure why that is, but interesting to think about. And then for younger children, we've actually had quite a few bits of feedback from parents and therapists, actually, who have been using the app with younger children. We recommend that for anybody under 11, the app is used alongside uh, a trusted adult. 
And it seems like the app's been a really helpful therapeutic tool, particularly for psychologists and uh, therapists. So we actually had a, um, this is going back about a year now, but a um, a psychologist, a child psychologist from Portugal who runs a a centre for child psychology and focuses on grief. She's got a PhD in grief in the family. And she contacts us to say she's discovered the app and she's been using it with her clients, her young clients, and finding it incredibly helpful, which obviously when you get that kind of feedback from somebody with that level of expertise from a different country in the world, it just fills you with such a great sense of confidence. Then we get some, there's some random sort of uses of the app. So I got contacted by a hospice worker. Uh, I think she was a social worker who works in a hospice somewhere in the UK. And she just got in touch to say how useful she finds playing the app after she's had a hard day dealing with grief. She comes back and plays it and it really helps her to sort of feel a bit calmer and process some of some of that stuff and and then on the um, in the reviews on the App Store and Google Play, we've had some reviews from young people who have found it helpful for dealing with other mental health problems, which is kind of a bit surprising because it is marketed as a, an app for grief and that's primarily what it is. But actually, interestingly, I'd say about 70% of the content in there is translatable. So some of it is very specific to grief, but there's meditations, guided meditations by the rock pool. There's learning about these different emotions. There's some support, just general support to help you think about death and giving you different perspectives on death, which is not something that our culture has been for the last um, century or so particularly good at. So I think... Uh, the young people actually appreciate a bit more of a direct and honest conversation about this stuff. But you're also making me think, I guess, a lot of young people experience loss in a whole range of ways, including, of course, losing friends to accidents, sometimes to knife crime. There's lots of different areas where it might guided approach to helping them understand what they're experiencing and understand loss, as well as you know strategies and tips and guided meditations that might help them feel some calm. Uh, Well, I was just going to say the other thing to say, something I've been tuning into and particularly noticing and interested in is it feels to me like the boundaries between personal grief and collective grief are dissolving in the age of the internet and social media. And in my um, therapy practice, I've definitely had young people coming to me who are experiencing really overwhelming grief about social issues, whether it's, you know, seeing wildfires like the bushfires in Australia, the end of 2019, or whether it's seeing a video of George Floyd being murdered and really experiencing the full range of emotions, but particularly a lot of grief around that. It's just something I'm noticing and um, I'm particularly keen to help because obviously it's great that young people are able to connect like we all are now to social issues around the world and really feel about them. But we also need some kind of safe space and a container to help process those feelings in a constructive way, which hopefully people are thinking about that and providing spaces for that. I'd like to think that we could sort of find uh, also some creative solutions for that too. It sounds like, as you suggested before, some of the tools are already there in the in the current form of the app. 
But I, I guess, yes, there are lots of anxieties about the most devastating types of loss frequently broadcast over the social media channels that you receive without any filter. So that sounds like a great sort of suggestion for perhaps some future development, which actually takes me perhaps to the last question I did want to ask, which is given all of this progress and achievement and, and innovation, what next for the Apart of Me team? Have you got any plans? I mean, you've, you've touched on COVID, and I don't know whether there's anything specific there. And obviously, translations of, of the materials can, can help you reach a wider audience. But any further plans, Ed? Yes. Yeah, so the main thing is we've been developing a clinical framework, which is guiding a young person from grief to compassion. And um, we want to extend the app so that it really can guide a young person through that journey. At the moment, uh, the sort of primary emotional outcome that we designed into the app is acceptance of emotions, which is an important stepping stone on that journey. Uh, but beyond that, we really want to develop new features that will allow young people to develop compassion, both compassion for themselves and compassion for others. And I'm sure you'll know there's lots of great work and research and lots of examples of interventions in that space that are being done in in the sort of more traditional clinical settings. And we're pretty excited to find ways to factor that into our game environment. We actually have one piece in that puzzle at the moment. So we just started a, a design process for developing a new feature, which aims to add more player interaction in the game. And obviously we want it to be safe because we don't feel having just a completely open forum or a social network is necessarily where we want to go or the most helpful definitely uh, a yeah. big headache with lots of moderation required so we're actually developing a feature which is a bit in its very early stages at the moment but it's uh, some way in which players can compose and share notes of support to each other and we'll, yeah. we'll be looking to sort of develop a campaign to the broader public and asking people who have experienced bereavement to contribute their own notes that we would want to then download into the game. So the idea there is just creating this real sense of community around people who've experienced bereavement yeah. that does cross ages and stages. And I think each group and each person can have something really helpful to contribute to the other. And it's just about opening the sort of doorway for those conversations to happen in a safe way, obviously. Sure. That sense that you're not alone in that experience is, is as we know, in mental health so powerful. But it also touches on something that we frequently find from both research, from good thinking and in our conversations with young people, that that fount of compassion that just seems to be ordinary and, and typical of, of, of young people to support their friends as much as families and sometimes their therapists and doctors perhaps. But, but actually, that is something that we, we in our health services have been very poor at supporting. And yet it's natural, sometimes almost boundless. But, you know, Clearly, with the right supports as well, we don't want everyone to become a carer. But there are those tendencies for compassion, as you described, that really could be enhanced, which then gives that really positive sense of not just recovering from something difficult, but for you to feel you can give something back or, or perhaps reduce someone else's suffering. So yes. that sounds like a really lovely development. I feel from my experience, my own life, 
and also from working with young people that kind of the the pinnacle of recovery for want of a better word from grief or trauma is getting to a point where you feel able and and confident to help other people who are going through something similar and we already have a, a sort of basic version of that in the game so if you get to a certain stage in the game and you complete a certain number of tasks you can apply to us to become a guide and we have a small team of young people who are our guides who currently involved in all sorts of elements of the organization from helping us to co-design new features one of our uh, young people henry is helping us to uh, improve our internal communication so he's developing some skills and actually really contributing hugely to how how things work and it's that kind of pathway that we just want to expand on and develop really because it just feels just feels good Yes, absolutely. And, and you just reminded me of one other piece of research that actually came from the Young People streaming app, Ubo, last year. I think it was around the time of the US elections where the number one priority for them was social justice. And although sometimes hidden with all the pressures of COVID and education and challenges around worklessness and all the things that young people are having to bear at the moment, that compassion and that desire for something better, whether it's in terms of the, the planet or our communities, does seem to be something that is quite substantial and still growing. So you seem to be absolutely in the right space with these developments. Well, I'm afraid, Louis, that we've got to that point of the podcast, sadly, where compassion is suddenly going to be in rather short supply because we've tended to end our podcast by allowing the listener to get to know uh, who we're talking with a a little better through a quirky little thought experiment, perhaps a game in itself, it might turn out. Not sure what the winner would look like, though, by, as I say, stripping you of all compassion at this point, where we're going to ask you to consider having to go back into lockdown down. But rather than strip you completely of compassion, there is an ounce left where we allow you to take with you into that lockdown experience three famous or prominent people. I think given your commitment to supporting young people and extraordinary work over the last years, I hope it's going to be somebody a bit more uplifting. But let's see, who would you take into lockdown? (laughs) Uh, Good question and hopefully a bit more uplifting. And if I do win this prize, I hope it's a good one, Richard. (laughs) Um, So I would take with me into lockdown somebody who is going to be great at entertaining and telling stories because you need that entertainment. And the first person that comes to mind is Matthew McConaughey, who um, I've listened to recently, the um, American actor. Mm -hmm. He's uh, I've listened to him on a couple of podcasts recently and he's released a new book, which is a bit self-helpy with a spiritual element to it. Um, He's just the most amazing storyteller. He's got that sort of just uh, Texan sort of drawl. I think that's what his accent is. And uh, soothing. soothing and just incredibly engaging. So I can imagine just sitting around in the living room being uh, regaled with stories and just uh, enjoying time spent with him. And then I probably want somebody who's really creative just to make the experience interesting and come up with lots of projects. And uh, the first person that comes to mind for me in that regard would be someone like Grayson Perry, who's uh, just a really interesting artist and has also done some interesting programs, actually, about grief and death and rites of passage. So I'm, I'm... at danger of dipping into something less uplifting. So I'll move on to the last one. 
uh, yep. which would be somebody to sing and uh, just bring a nice ambiance with their music. And there's a Celtic singer that my wife and I really love at the moment called Paya. She mm-hmm. just sings these beautiful, beautiful Celtic songs, just very, very soothing. So you'd, you'd, that, that would be a nice addition. So if I understand correctly, Louis, your idea, having been stripped of liberty and being pushed back into lockdown, is to then surround yourself with just three really talented people, (laughs) as if that's not going to make you feel worse. (laughs) (laughs) It's the entertainment, Richard. It's all about the entertainment. Okay. Well, I I think on on this particular occasion, we're going to equip you with a lockdown experience with a garden, so you can create a sort of campfire experience. Yeah. Um, and perhaps we'll throw in some sort of kiln for Grayson to, to knock out some ceramics too, <laughs> so you could uh, have have quite a, an experience. Good luck. Um, we are going to let you, though, have respite from the uh, creatives around you by also allowing you to take some media. And I say media so you could take something on a tablet or phone. could be some music, could be a film, TV series, book. Recorded events. Some people like to look at sporting events from times past. Any thoughts about what you might like to take as some sort of media, some entertainment, dare I ask? (laughs) I mean, I've found in lockdown really good sci-fi is what keeps me going in a way because it's just it's got a combination of great creativity and total distraction and also often like just inspiration ideas about what's possible in different worlds and i've just finished watching one called the boys on amazon which is about superheroes gone bad which uh, i really enjoyed really enjoyed watching that uh, well, let's suggest that you take the boys, because if things get a bit stressful, you might want to do some role play with your other colleagues in there with you. But I think we will also allow you then some luxury as well that might also sort of help you manage the frustrations that we're all suddenly rather too familiar with. You're very kind, Richard. If only I'd had you around <laughs> last April, it would have been a lot better. Yes, <laughs> I know if I'd been in there with you, it would have gone like a dream. Um, luxury item. The first thing that comes to mind isn't an item, but I would ideally like to have a sort of my own personal massage therapist. Am I allowed to say that? Just somebody to relieve the tension on a daily basis. Yeah, I think for somebody who seems to have had such a a noble sort of approach to your work, I think squeezing in a bit of exploitation at the end might be possible. So we'll let you go with it. So uh, a, a good massage therapist and any particular sort of approach to massage because I know there are different yes I do you know what I'm gonna go for a this is gonna be sound like I'm avoiding the question but somebody who can do a few different approaches because sometimes the sort of massage that just really gets in there and sort of needs in quite a strong way and leaves you feeling a little bit raw sometimes are quite like that sometimes nice to have it a little bit more gentle I've actually had um, I sound like I'm a bit of an expert I don't want to come across like that that would be it okay well I'm not in entirely comfortable at many levels about this choice but i think as i say given the work you've done up to date i think we'll allow you to stray and and be like the boys go a bit bad in different places so that's fine thanks Richard. well 
thank you so much for giving us your time today, but even more so, thank you and all your team and all those young people along the way that have contributed to the development of your work that we can all access now uh, through the Good Thinking site or through the app stores in the form of the Apart of Me app. And for anyone who knows someone who has lost someone, do let them know about it. It's amazing. Thank you again. Thanks, Richard.